Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you. You know, we've been talking about, uh, about abiding in a better story. Uh, and the reason why we talked about that is like a lot of us have had experience with Christianity, let's call it that. Uh, it's like, wow, he just air quoted Christianity. This is really going to go to the dark side real fast. But it, we, we've had a lot of experience with working the system. Maybe a lot of us have gone to churches where we told you five things you needed to work in their system in order for you to be a part of their system. In order to be a real Christian, you had to work the system. And what we have found out is that God doesn't like being worked any more than you like being worked. You know, when I walk into a store and all of a sudden that person begins, I know that they're put on a little bit of workmanship and they, they're just going to work me and they're going to try to get me to buy something and, and I know when I'm getting worked. And God doesn't like being worked any more than us. He doesn't want to be dealt with because we want to give him tithes so that he can bless us or we're going to do prayer, pray so that he'll like us or we're going to do good deeds so he keeps our cars running, whatever it may be, but we've been taught to work a system. And Jesus is inviting us back to a relationship of abiding. It's a better story, a much better story. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. And as branches cannot bear fruit unless they abide in the vine, so neither can you abide unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, and he who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing. It's like there's genuine flourishing that happens when we remain in the story. We, we stay in the story with Jesus. And he gave us this beautiful metaphor of not working the system, not becoming a member, but abiding. Organic, relational, connecting, life-giving, life-flowing. And, he, and he's calling us back. And, and he's calling us back as Bible belters, as Americans, uh, what we call Christianity, what we call God, what we call Jesus. And he's like, I'm calling you back to abide and reconnect to the, the better story. Because when our story becomes just a system, it becomes a really bad story. I mean, I know what it's like to be raised in a denomination where all you've got is seven sacraments. And you do these sacraments and you got your holy days of obligation and you got your holy water and you got all kinds of stuff and you got to work the system. And when you get a divorce, you got to pay $900 to get an annulment so you can get married again. And you can't receive communion until you get your annulment. You know, I mean, it's just craziness. Where do we make this stuff up? It's, it's whenever mankind wants to turn God into a system. But there is a part of there is a part of life flowing. There is systemics in organics. There's connectiveness, but it's all a part of this thing that Jesus uses, uh, of the phrase called abiding. And it's that better story that we're trying to connect with. Uh, Jesus calls us to abide in his story, his words, his promises, his empowerment, his example, his principles, his, his mission. It seems like all these things are essentially him. You can't be about Jesus' word, not really be about his mission. You can't really be about, uh, about Jesus' power without being involved in what it empowers you to be an example. And last week we talked about, about Jesus and his story and why his story. And it's, you have a right to ask this question. Um, and, and we learned about the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and that how I got confused because I didn't know who was stronger than who. I mean, Iron Man comes along and he's pretty cool. He drives a really cool car, always gets the girl and he's got a really cool suit that flies. 
And then it's like, wow, okay. Well, then along comes Loki. You know, it's like, well, Loki, how strong is Loki? And so you try to figure out, is Loki strong? Then we bring in the Hulk. And it's like, well, he just beat the crap out of Iron Man. And so uh, it's like, well, who's more powerful? And then we got a Thor. I mean, it's like, oh, you know, Thor comes in and we're not even, so is Thor stronger than the Hulk? Who can pick up the hammer? You know, then Captain America. We, we went through all that and we learned that, that, that sometimes in the middle of our lives, we forget who is the strongest character. Just like watching a Marvel, the latest Marvel movie, it's like, oh, Doctor Strange is pretty powerful. And in the MCU, if you look at the rankings, we talked about this last week because you needed to know that Scarlet Witch is actually the, the most powerful character in the MCU. But you know, what we've forgotten is that in the midst of all the characters that we encounter, because we encounter characters episodically, like you'll be going on in life and all of a sudden you experience the loss of a job. And so all of a sudden your boss is a, a, a big character in your life. All of a sudden you go through a divorce. Now your ex-spouse is a big character in your life. Maybe you experience death and death walks into the room kind of like Thanos. And you think Thanos must, must be the most powerful character in the MCU. And then all of a sudden in finds Captain Marvel and we're all asking the questions, where have you been? <laughs> but in the middle of our episodes of life, we forget who the supreme character is in the story. Jesus is a better story. That's why he comes to earth, he walks on water, he speaks to the wind, he feeds the 5,000, he's doing all this stuff to show that all the characters that we experience in life, he raises the dead, he calls Lazarus from the tomb, he himself submits himself to death and then predicts his own rising, why? Because he wants you and I to know that no matter what episode we're in, what movie, if it's Iron Man 3, that He's saying, I'm greater than your Scarlet Witch. And maybe you have just stared Scarlet Witch in the face. Maybe that MRI, maybe that job loss, maybe that loved one that walked out, maybe a death. And God says, listen, I see their episode that you're in, but don't readjust who the characters are. I am the Lord of heaven and earth. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the truth. I am he who is dead, but is now alive. I mean, he declares himself, it is a better story. And there are no greater characters in your life. So today we're gonna to be talking about abiding in this character's words. We approach the Bible as literature. Um, and it is literature and we, we approach it as ethics and it is ethics and we also approach it as history and sometimes as moderns we condescend to it well it's so archaic well i'll tell you what every time a modern culture no matter where that modern culture has been begins to separate and extricate itself from the stories of the past it always loses its moral compass and its direction just about the time we get smart enough, we put a man on the moon, we're going to Mars, we're doing all this stuff, we got electric cars, we got Bitcoin, we got it all. Man, you're not gonna tell me no Moses story, are you? It's like the moment we disconnect with the stories of our past, we lose our direction in the future. It's, it's, it's absolutely, it's predicted. So the scripture is history, it is ethics, it is literature. 
but we're also called to abide in the word of God. See, Jesus is the word of God in flesh. I mean, it's, it's, it's pumping, breathing 98 point, what's it, six degrees? That's what we're supposed to be. I haven't seen 98.6 in a long time. The older you get, you're like down in the 96, 97 range. But you know, it's kind of like he's the word of God in flesh. This is what word looks like lived out. This is what God looks like lived out. John 1 said it this way, better than Stan Lee, better than George Lucas. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. There's no character in the MCU that equals that. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Find that character in Lord of the Rings. But we are told that this word of God becomes flesh and lives among us. So Jesus is the word of God. But then we're also given this, this thing called the scriptures. And it's the word of God, but it's different it's the word of God in quotes, okay? It's, it's the word of God breathed and spoken into people's lives and they, they wrote it down and they spoke it out. A little bit different manifestation of it doesn't make it less truthful. It's just a different way to present the same idea. Second Timothy three says, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, for training and righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work so that we could live life. So I have found that there are kind of two main reasons why we've got this, this word of God, this, whether it's Jesus in the flesh or, or the word of God in quotes why it's lived out, spoken out, and written out. It must be important, okay? It must be important if you're going to manifest wordness in, in such detail, in such intentionality. Let me give you two reasons. And when, whenever a pastor tells you two reasons, just know he's just making that number up because it just makes, helps us teach. But there could be eight reasons. So if you're kind of like a Bible geek and you're like, I can come up with eight reasons. Well, have at it, you know. But I'm just going to give you two today because it's kind of like a funnel. Kind of like I'm just going to point these two on the funnel. And I can point it to one, you know, it just like that. We get this. Drew, you, ta you taught me all this. So, uh, so, you know, it's kind of like it works like that. So I'm going to just give you two reasons why we have the word of God. One is to reveal the heart, the mind, and intentionality and qualifications of God. Now, this word qualifications, when I wrote it down, I'm like, do you really want to write down qualifications? And I want to write down qualifications, yeah. Because you, gotta ask, you have every right to ask if God's qualified for the job. We just say, well, if God told me. Well, it's like, yeah, but so what? You know, uh, why God? Why, why is he qualified? Uh, and, and you have every right to ask God, what are your qualifications? to do the job that you're claiming to do. And so the, the word of God, whether it was lived out in the flesh in Jesus or written out in ethics or written out in literature or written out in history, and it's like brilliant bandwidth. He, comes, he, he uses all the bandwidth of human observation and, and, and speaks word to us. Why? Because I want you, God's saying, I want you to know what's going on in my head. Ladies beg for a husband that's like that. 
It's like, will you listen? To, I want you to know what I'm thinking. I want you to know what my intentions are. Ladies, wouldn't you love it if a guy had nothing else to do other than to reveal the heart, mind, and intentionality and the qualifications of him as your husband? Oh, man, I'm falling in love with the guy. I mean, it's just, I mean, that's just, that's, man, I would love to be that guy that's, that, that used all the bandwidth of communication to communicate to my wife how much I love her and what's going on inside of my heart and what my plan is for, for her life and our life together. And, and so the word of God is that. It's, it's all, it's, it's to see if God's qualified. And so you look at the life of Jesus, it's like, wow, that's pretty qualified. Walking on water, rising from the dead sacrificing himself for the love of other people who hate him. It's like, wow. You know, when you look at Moses, you look at uh, the prophets, you look at all this history, it's like, wow, he got this rowdy group of people that constantly backstabbed him out of Egypt and they would, they would turn on him all the time and he still loved them and helped them get them all the way through and all this adversity he went against. It's like, wow. So it reveals that. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten of God who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained him. So this is what the word of God is all about. It's just God kind of like, uh, have you ever seen one of those Edgar Allan Poe? I'm sorry, I get caught on these crazy tangents. But it's ADD and, and full, I mean, I, I love it. But have you ever seen that Edgar Allan Poe guy, a, mo a show or, or story where the guy breaks out of prison and he arranges it to be put in a coffin? And so he gets put in the coffin and he pays the guy so he can sneak out of prison. But, but the, another guy pays the same guy some money to take the coffin and he buries the coffin. And the guy's under, now he's buried alive and he's banging on the, the casket. And all of a sudden he starts screaming, but nobody can hear him outside the other, outside of the ground. Terrible example, isn't it? Absolutely horrific example. But you know what? The word of God is God screaming to humanity, I'm here and I'm qualified and I love you. That's what it is. It's, it's a scripture, you know, it's, it's not rules to keep us from having a good time at a party. It's so that we can understand what the heart of God. The other part is this, to reveal and to speak the issues of our hearts. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul, spirit, bone, and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Nobody knows you better than the word of God knows you. You know in you, I know, really, can you really? It's, it's kind of like, like that um, thing in the circus or the, the fun part that you go to and you walk in and it's a bunch of mirrors and a mirrors and a mirror and a mirror and you get, you get caught in there and all you see is mirrors. It, it's like, wow, it's funny. I see, myself, I see myself clearly, but yet seeing myself doesn't give me direction for my next step. And so the word of God has the ability to separate intention and motive and what am I about? Why am I thinking this way? Why do I fall for the same tricks? Why am I addicted to this? Why, why, why do I hate that person? How come I can't forgive? Why do I? And, and, the, and the word of God helps us figure out not only who God is and his intentions, but it helps us find out our intentions. So that's why when Jesus says in John 8, he says, if you continue my word, you truly are my disciples. It's like, it's more than just the red letters. 
When you continue in my word, the word that the revelation of God on all spectrums, as, as you continue in my word, you grow in discipleship with me. You, you become like me. You begin to know more about yourself and you know about me. So, so we've got to ask ourselves the question, do we value it? Do we value it? Uh, the word of God. And, and the, the illustration and the thoughts that God gave me on this was, was this idea of the hierarchy of opinion. Um, and I was thinking about this phrase and, and sometimes I come up with a little weird phrase and I know that you may think that's weird, but l- let me just tell you what I mean about the hierarchy of opinion when it comes to the idea of valuing, whether we value God's word. Is that every one of us operates with a hierarchy within us and whose opinion that we value most around us. So I hurt my back. You've heard the story. You don't want to hear it again. But I hurt my back. And if you're part of a community of people who hurt their backs, and there's probably, I'm willing to bet, 25% of the people in here have a bad back. I mean, it's just something that seems to happen. So what you do when you hurt your back is you immediately try to find some sort of, some sort of story, remedy, solution to it. So you have a hierarchy of opinion. So the first person you go to is you call your mom. Hey, mom, my back hurts. You know, it's like, what the heck? I just, you know, I just fell off the bridge and, you know, and, and, and your mom is a good place to start. And she'll tell you, you know, oh yeah, your, your daddy did that just before he died. You know, it's like, here's, here's an idiot, you're an idiot too. You know, it's, it's, it's so, he, but you know, that's good information. Finding out that one's an idiot is a good, a good opinion. Um, so you start with your mom. Then you may, like with me, for next thing I did was looking for everybody else that's walking like this. You know, you start, I'm sorry, I don't mean to go with Southern accent. I, it's just so easy. It's like low-hanging fruit. But it's, uh, so um, someone else with the same problem, you talk to them. And you know this guy over here, he's got a ruptured L4, L5. He's like, well, what did you do with yours? Oh, I did this. And, and, and so you get information about it. And you find, well, what drugs do you do? What do you want? You know, you got some? You know, and, and so you, you, you find out, you talk to them about what's going on. And that's, that's good information. Then you go, the next person, and again, I'm going to be talking about a lot of professions here. If you're in one of these professions, I'm putting them in a hierarchy of my experience with them, not necessarily who's the smartest person in the room, but we may get to some of that. So, so we just left somebody who knows uh, that's experiencing the same thing. Now you go to an acupuncturist. Okay, the acupuncturist is going to be like, hey, listen, well, what I can do for your L4, L5 is I want to put some needles here, 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 and then in between your toes and under your toenail. And then, uh, and then what it's going to do, it's going to distract your brain and, and, and the pain's going to be elsewhere so that your brain will release around your back and loosen up those muscles so they won't be clamping down. And uh, it's, it's, it's something in the whole thing that works. And, and so they have an idea and that's a good opinion. And I have done everything I'm about to say. I mean, I've, I'm, I'm into cupping, and, and don't Google it, but I'm into cupping, I'm into all of it. I don't care if it's Eastern, Western, Northern, or Southern uh, medicine, I'll go into it all in order to get out of pain. Then the next stop is the massage therapist. Massage therapist will put you there, light a candle, take some hot rocks, put them on your back. You're not exactly sure what that's about. Then they'll take their elbow and do a little bit of this, put on some really smelling, good smelling uh, oil, and you have a good experience. It, it helps. It does something. And then maybe the next thing you go to is the almighty and all-knowing chiropractor. 
Okay, now chiropractor science, chiropractic science is, is a real science, but what I have found with a lot of chiropractors is they want to be the end game. You know, they can fix the common cold. If you got the flu, they can pretty much just, you know, if you have a, a, a mother-in-law you don't like, they can fix that too. They pretty much can handle everything. But they can align you. They can kind of realign your facets, find out if you're walking a little longer or if your leg's a little longer than the other when they put you in the chair. It's like, you never knew you had a shorter leg until you went to a chiropractor. You know, you didn't know if it was a problem. But, but, but there is truth in it and there is alignment in it. And so, but that's one opinion. Okay, next thing, you, you can't stand the pain, so you find yourself, like I did, at Emergent Care with a PA. That's a person that's medically qualified to talk about what you're experiencing at this particular moment. But it's a physician's assistant, so it's kind of a starting point. Um, then maybe the physician, uh, this, will, this person will recommend you to a physical therapist. Now, a physical therapist will, will show you, okay, they'll find out, look at, look at what the uh, doctor said, and they'll begin to put you through a routine of exercises, you know, that will humiliate you if anybody sees you doing them in public. You know, I've got these ones, I lay in the, doing this leg, and then that leg, then this, like that, and it's like, but the physical therapist, and I have found, it's a good thing. Matter of fact, when somebody tells me they have back problem, I'll say, hey, have you done acupuncture or physical therapy yet? No, I'm just doing hydrocodone. It's like, well, no, nah, that's not the right path. You know, you, there, there's some other opinions other than your druggist that you need to be consulting at this point. But the physical therapist has something to say about it. Then you go to a general practitioner. They're a general doctor. doctor um, and so they, they kind of, they understand a lot, but uh, they maybe refer you to a pain management specialist. See, th what am I going through? I'm going through a hierarchy of opinion. Physical therapy, I mean, the pain management takes a needle and sticks it in your uh, lower back and they inject some uh, cortisone and, and you get about three to four months relief and uh, they work that. But then there's another voice. It's the orthopedist. Okay, now this person is kind of like all about bones, all about bone injuries. No, I mean, so now you're into a specialist. But then you can even go, and, and they're good and kind of equal, but sounds better than them, is a neurologist. Because you know, anytime you say, I'm a brain surgeon, you kind of think it's probably better than somebody who fixes broken bones. But now you go to a neurologist, like, and you're really paying attention to that person. And then, what is better than a neurologist? The head of neurology at a hospital. Now you're talking to the top person in there. That person's opinion's pretty powerful. Oh, but you're not just talking to the head of neurology or orthopedic surgery. You're talking to the head at Mayo Clinic and John Hopkins, the two most best-rated hospitals for back surgeries. You see, I just created a hierarchy of opinion. Now, if you just track with me just a little bit longer on my example here, you're at a party. <laughs> and while you're at this party, all these opinion people you, from your mom to your acupuncturist, to your physical therapist, your neuroscientist, your, and then the head of John Hopkins, they're all in a room together. And you walk into the party. And your doctors and your mom and your acupuncturists are all out there. Well, just about that time you walk in, the band says, I have a vivid imagination. The band says, hey, we're going to take about a five-minute break. You know, and so the music stops. You have five minutes. Who are you going to go talk to about your back? You got five minutes. Okay? 
every one of these people in the room will talk to you. You're going to go talk to your mom? I mean, you're going to go talk to the chiropractic guy? You're going to go talk to the physical therapist? Who are you going to talk to? Now, I've been there. And I live with the pain, and I know the injury, and I know the difficulty of it. I'll tell you, in that, if I got five minutes and every one of these people want to talk to me, I'm walking up to the head of John Hopkins neurosurgery, and I'm talking to him, and I'm saying, hey, what do you think the future of my spine is? So let me ask you this. You're in your five minutes of life right now, because I know it seems long, but you know, let me just say it, 63.75 is just about five minutes away. Okay, I mean, it really goes super fast. And just by the way, 75 is the average age. Okay, and so we're in our five minutes of life right now. Who, who has the greatest opinion in your, in your life? Who are you talking to about your marriage? Who do you call? If you have five minutes to talk about your parenting, or you got five minutes to talk about how to use your money, five minutes to deal, talk to somebody about your addiction, five minutes, who is at the top of the opinion hierarchy? Who do you listen to more than any person else? You know, and, I, and I'm gonna ask, if, you're, if it's less than God, you're dealing with somebody that may not be qualified. Now, let me just say about the head of neurology. He may tell you to go to the acupuncturist. That may be his best wisdom, and it would be true. He may say, hey, go home and take your mom to lunch. He may tell you you need to go to a physical therapist, and he writes your script for that. He recognizes the value of some of those other opinions. But you gotta, you got to find out where's the best opinion for where I go from, from, from this particular episode of my life. So let me just encourage you, and let me just challenge you, that you may be in a different episode, difficult episode right now. Be careful about who do you talk to in the next five minutes of this episode because they might not be the right person for you to be talking to. She may be your mom, but you may need someone that knows what it's like that can handle what you're going through. Or look at it this way. Diagnostic tools. Um, they're what I call sources of opinion. You got your hierarchy of opinion, now you have your source of opinion. Which one is greatest to you in your life? My back was hurting me the other day, so I went to the doctor. Walked in, the doctor does the first line of source of opinion. He asked me questions. So where's it hurt? How long has it been hurting? Hey, walk that way. Let me watch you. Come back. It was funny, because the doctor asked me to walk, because I wanted to see how your hip move. So I was going, I went like this, kind of like, this. I just wanted to see where he fell out. You know, I was just kind of like, so I, I but he, it's, it's, you're entering into this questions. How long does it work? This, you know, and then, um, then the next level is what I call a poke, a feel, and a cough. Um, that's when the doctor gets their hands on you. Okay. It's like, Hey, when you get my age, you've experienced it all. But it's when he takes the little hammer and goes, you know, and your leg's going, doing one of these numbers. But you want them to do that. Nobody goes, talks to the doctor about a problem and then just walks out and say, wow, good. I got a great opinion. He talked to me. No, you feel a little bit better when you go to the next level. Then there's another level after that. You get an x-ray. 
okay? The x-ray is like, okay, we're looking in there and you, you feel like you're getting, the doctor said, we're gonna get you an x-ray and then he gets the x-ray and you that. You feel a little bit better about the opinion, don't you? More than just him poking you in the side. Then you could say, well, an x-ray, well, there's gotta be something better than that. Yeah, there is, it's called an MRI. Magnetic resonant imagery or something like that, okay? That's why somebody here in the church um, was having neck problems. They went to their chiropractor. The chiropractor did an x-ray and told the person they needed a neck fusion. And I'm like, that's bull crap. Okay, first of all, you can't determine that somebody needs a fusion on their neck with a diagnostic tool of an x-ray. And I also know that the chiropractor isn't qualified to make the determination. See, I know that the opinion, the person of opinion, the hierarchy of opinion, the source of opinion, were not qualified to tell this woman she needed a neck fusion. She said, really? I said, yeah, you need to get away from that guy. You need, you need an orthopedic specialist and you also need, a, you need an MRI. Then you can get an X-ray, you, I mean, a, a CAT scan, and then you get a biopsy. These are all diagnostic tools for you to have a better source of opinion. So let me ask you this question. Whose opinion is most important to you? Is it a reliable source? Is Instagram postings the best you can do to find out on how you should heal your marriage? Is Facebook the place that you should go for parenting? Is the world, is Disney what you need to be watching to figure out sexuality? Where do you go to learn about money? Who do you talk to? Because for a lot of us, God is no longer the top of the hierarchy of opinion. Are you abiding in the vine or a different hierarchy of opinion? We got this cool little Bible app. Whether you know it or not, your phone is capable, if you're in the 20th century, 21st century, if you're in the 21st century, your phone is capable of taking a picture of that QR code. It will immediately take you to an app from one of the app stores, whether you have an Android or you have an iPhone. That little app, if you download it and put it on your phone, is so idiot and dummy proof that every morning if you got up in your five minutes of life, if you were to push that button, it will come up with a daily Bible verse. If you're like me and you're a dude and you don't wanna read, you don't read well and you've been using the excuse that you, know, you don't read well, well there's right next to it there's another button you can push and a video plays. And somebody who can read, <laughs> reads it to you. And you say, why that? It's like the only thing that's keeping us from the word of God is not five minutes. It's whether or not we value it or not. It's, it's not time. I got five minutes. First thing, five minutes, man. I tell you what, I, first thing in my five minutes, what do I usually do? First five minutes, I go to look at my fantasy football team. Uh, five, five minutes, I see what uh, the Patriots have uh, traded anybody. Uh, in the first five minutes, um, uh, I listen to the Cars or Boston, get one really good song maybe with Led Zeppelin to fire me up because I want to come in and, and have a lot of energy. Uh, I mean, those are, so, so it comes down to, what are we doing with that five minutes? It comes down to not do we have it. The question is, is do we value it? John addresses this so much. Listen to this verse. Because he knows there, are, there is a hierarchy of voices and opinions that are challenging every one of us. So he talks to us about this. He says, I want you to, he's, he's telling you, I'm not crazy in my example. 
He says in 2 John verse, chapter 1, verse 7, he says, there are many deceivers or other voices with agendas that are gone out in the world, into your world, those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. He said, there's a lot of opinions out there. And some of them, some of those opinions, not your mom, but some of those opinions have an agenda to steer you in a different direction. And he says, a lot of those opinions do not acknowledge Jesus Christ. Now, here's the reason why this is so powerful. is because remember we learned last week that Jesus is the logos. It was a Greek word that means logic and reasoning of God. Well, this word here is that these people do not, they're not homo logos, meaning they do not come up alongside with the same message that Jesus has. And he says, be careful because you're living in a crowd of opinions and you need to remember not all the opinions around you align with the word of God. And you gotta figure out what party you're in. You need to figure out in your five minutes of life whose voice has the most power over your life. Matter of fact, he goes on to say, this is the deceiver and the antichrist. Now, I love that one because now, if you weren't paying attention five minutes ago, you're now paying attention because I said antichrist. Antichrist. I said it again. It's kind of like saying Voldemort. You know, it's kind of like Antichrist. Everybody's like, ooh, well, we're going to get into the end times. That is the most ridiculous doctrine that has ever been made up. Okay? There is some element there, but it's so much better than that. What John's saying is that the spirit of Antichrist is any opinion, whether it's your mom's, your chiropractor, your acupuncturist, your girlfriend, Disney Plus, or whatever. He's saying there's a lot of voices out there that want to take you away from the word of God. And you gotta figure that out, but they're, they're, they're here. And I know you're thinking, are we talking about the mark of the beast? It's like, please, that is... I, I, I don't want to get in trouble by saying what I really think about that particular thing. But, but let me just say, it's, it's so much smarter than that. People walking around with six, six, six on their foreheads. Who would fall for that? I mean, stop being a doofus and thinking that they're going to put a chip under our skin and it's going to be called the mark of the beast. Every time you believe a lie that the world feeds you, you have absorbed Antichrist. Every time you've implemented the, the, the way the culture thinks about things instead of the way God thinks about things, you are experiencing antichrist. And our lives will be way ruined long before somebody with six, three sixes on their forehead or some chip gets put underneath your, your uh, skin. The question is, is, do you value the word of God? And, and, the, and the thing that's so important is because you're gonna find yourself in an episode, and some of you are in that episode right now, where your scarlet witch has entered the room. And you're thinking, because we had that song that just was, he won't fail, he won't fail. And, and, um, we, and I, I know some of you have a right to say, yeah, really, he won't fail? I just went through some cra crazy stuff sure looked like failure to me. 
And if you're in that room right now, Antichrist is closer to you than anybody with three sixes on his forehead will ever be. Because you're in an episode where you could buy into a different truth. I'm here to tell you, you're just in, you're just in a bad episode. Two years ago, I was cursing God, wishing I would die, thinking my life would end, and was looking for anybody that could give me weed so I could deal with my pain. Thank God, none of, two out of three of those didn't happen. <laughs> What I love is some of you are really concerned about which one didn't happen. (laughs) I'm not even going to tell you. I'm just going to let you go home like that. (laughs) Okay, let me bring this back. John said, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, Jesus, and what the word of God teaches, do not receive him into your house. Do not even give him a hug. Don't even shake his hand. Don't even greet him. Because the one who gives, who, who gives a greeting to him participates in his evil deeds. We have not remembered the clarity between truth and lie. You know, we tolerate so many TV shows because we've got a little button that says 10 seconds. It's like, oh, I think Uhtred's going to sleep with another girl in Last Kingdom. Okay, let me hit... 10 seconds, it's like a closer coming up, 10 seconds. Oh, it was lasting for more than a minute. I'm in the middle of it now. You know, hit it, hit it again, hit it again, hit it again, hit it again. You know, and, and so we've lost the ability to, but, but John is saying, listen, you need, to, you need to find out what's lying to you. You don't even need to greet it. So here's the big question, and this is tough, and I don't know exactly the answer. When does a greeting occur? Um, is it when you pay for it? Okay, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm paying for Netflix. You know, I would be willing to say that probably three quarters of Netflix has nudity in it. I would say half of it has adultery in it. Uh, all things that, you know, I'm, I'm not supposed to be a part of it. I mean, it's like, so, so is that it? Or, I, I, and, I, and we all have to decide, but it's in my house. I'm paying for it. Is it when you pay for it? Is that when the greeting occurs? You know, because uh, I've been dealing with, with Disney Plus. So, uh, Disney Plus has an agenda, not an opinion. They have a clearly stated agenda. I don't like their agenda. But you know what? They got Star Wars. They're holding my best friend hostage. You know, I'm like, come on, give it up. And then you think that's bad. Because I was like, well, we're just going to boycott Disney. It's like, yeah, you're going to have to give up Star Wars. I'm like, oh, well, maybe I was being a little harsh. Uh, <laughs> And then they own ESPN. Ah, oh, my second best friend. There's no way. So, so I think every one of us have to decide when does the handshake occur? Um, I will say this that I know for sure as a parent and now as a grandparent. If you're giving full access to it to your kids, you have already greeted it and you're inviting your kids to greet it. If you're letting your teenager go into their room with a 100 gigabyte internet service and access to Hulu, Netflix, everything else, they, and, you're, and you're letting them shut the door, you might as well go ahead and give the Antichrist a kiss on the lips 
because you just gave them your kid. Because I don't know about you, I'm 63 and I still have a hard time figuring out what I'm supposed to be watching. You look at 17-year-old hormone me, I'm not even asking the question, okay? And you know what's crazy? We're paying for it. It's not like, well, Paul, that's our culture. It's like, no, you're subscribing to it. And, and I'm, not, I'm not doing this to judge us. I'm here to, to warn us. Because you may find yourself in a, fi- in, in a five-minute party called pain. And the only thing streaming into you is a lie. Well, she cheated on you. You should treat it, cheat on her. Pay her back. You know? Well, this is what they did to you. This is what we're going to do to them. You may be in your, your moment when you need the word of God most, but you're streaming something else. Let me end it up this way by, by asking this question. Um, when is the word of God going to stop bowing to the agendas of the world in our lives? I argued with my daughters yesterday about this. When are we supposed to boycott? When are we not supposed to watch it? And they all know about the football thing. They all know about my Star Wars addiction. It's like, but dad, you're gonna have to do this. It's like, dang. Child of certain of Satan in my house. <laughs> but you know what, what does it mean? It, it is difficult at times to figure out. But you know what? You may have a best friend who you need to like turn the volume down on. Not hate them, but they speak way too loud in your life. You may need somebody wiser than your mom in your life. You may need something better than a Merlot at four o'clock in the afternoon. I didn't realize that would get so many amens because we all know it's, it, it's something that can change our attitude for five minutes. We all want an opinion that speaks good to us. I'm here to tell you that the life of Jesus and the quotes of scripture have communicated that there's nobody in your world or your episode that has greater, kinder, loving, more truthful intentions and better qualifications than God himself. May not seem like it in this moment. That's why we have a history of the word of God. That's why we have an example of the word of God. That's why we have a spirit of the word of God so that we can encounter it any episode that we're in. So as you come up and to receive the communion, let me encourage you to let this, to consider Have you allowed an anti-Christ message to guide your life? Is there a person in your life who is speaking half truth into your life? Is there somebody speaking lies into your life? And we all have, we all have it and we all do it and speak and all that stuff. But the point is this, who's at the top of the hierarchy? Who do you go first? Who is true? Because there are some points when I feel justified to run you off of the road because you cut me off. And every opinion in my car says, I'm taking you out. 
And in that moment, I need something that speaks higher. Love does not count at suffered wrong. Love forgives. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's like, okay, I need that kind of life. And if you're here today, because I know we have so many people who have lost loved ones in the last year, please know that we are all a vapor. If I'm learning anything at getting older, we're vapors. But in the middle of the vapors of souls that inhabit the planet, to as many as he receive Christ, he gives the power to become more than a vapor, to become the children of the living God. That's pretty cool. And then for all those children of living God who leave this earth in death, we become immortals. Find, Find out how high they rank in the MCU because we become that. So let me encourage you, no matter what episode that you're in, greater is he who is in you than he that is in any other part of the episode of your life. And we can sing that song, he won't fail you. And it's true. Just may be a little difficult in the episode that we're in. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it speaks life to us. Thank you that in the middle of all the voices, whether it's the voice of my past, the voice of my failure, the voice of my divorce, my addictions, the voice of my impending death, whenever, the voice of criticism, then in the midst of all this, there is one who speaks in the wilderness and brings life. There's one who speaks to Lazarus and brings him forth. There's one who will speak and resurrects all of us to himself. There's one who speaks and gives us his spirit, who gives us hope. It is him that is at the top of our hierarchy of opinion. He is our first listen the word of God. So let me encourage you, you take the bread. I know you've done it a thousand times before, but let this be a time that you come back, that your heart comes back to the true voice that is the word of God.